Welcome to The Disenfranchised, helping you to find a career path away from employment by exploring the franchise community. My name's Ed Pennell, and I'll be speaking with the entrepreneurs, experts, and leaders from across the franchise community, discovering their life stories and hearing their tips for success away from the typical nine to five grind. On this episode, I'm speaking with Jen Chapman Boffin, the founder of Cinder Limited, a business providing mental health first aid training, talks and workshops on culture and well-being. Now, Jen is a fully qualified mental health first aid instructor through MHFA England, providing training workshops and talks, as I mentioned, to businesses and community groups. With 10 plus years background in business, primarily within the franchise industry, working with the British Franchise Association, Jen understands the importance of managing and supporting mental health as a business leader. As a proactive advocate for mental health, Jen is passionate about supporting people to develop the skills, knowledge and confidence they need to support the well-being of themselves and those around them. Now, we're going to hear from Jen and her experiences within franchising, the BFA and all things mental health in a moment. But before I do, I just wanted to let you know a bit more about our sponsor for today's episode, Symphony. Well, actually, I've got a quick question for you first. So... How many business opportunities are you missing out on by not being available to respond instantly? We live in a world where everyone expects to be able to contact a company that they want to engage with immediately. If not, there's a good chance that they'll go somewhere else. So if your business doesn't respond immediately, how can you remedy that situation? Well, that's where Symphony come in. So Symphony is an outsourced customer support service for franchisors, franchisees, as well as other businesses so that you can focus on growing your business while they take care of your calls, emails, and web chats. Basically, they're there to help you and your business respond at the point where customers are most interested in your service or product, even if you aren't available or you're busy working for another client. By letting Symphony take the strain, a team of customer service experts will respond to your customers' inquiries and questions quickly and accurately while keeping them happy and coming back for more. So their expertly trained team provides live chat, email response, social media management and phone call handling 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, meaning you'll never miss an opportunity. To find out more about Symphony and their services for franchisees and franchisors in particular, please visit www.symphony.co.uk forward slash disenfranchised. Okay, so now let's head into that interview with Jen Chapman Boffin from Cinder Limited and uh, yeah, discover a bit more about her journey as well as mental health, franchising and the BFA. So hope you enjoy it and I'll catch you on the other side. So Jen Chapman Boffin, welcome to The Disenfranchised. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Yes, very good. Living the dream um, and enjoying all of the sunshine and the perks of working from home. How about yourself? It is is boiling, isn't it? Yeah, I'm torn between getting my windows open and just staying in like a cocoon of colder air. (laughs) (laughs) Cocoon of colder air. I've heard of that before. but (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I like it it's good I'm gonna say that because my my the office where I sit in actually is a little bit cooler than um anywhere in, in my house or anywhere else it's covered by trees and never gets sunshine so it's now my cocoon of cold air, in cocoon here. Of cold air yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic but um 
Jen, let's, let's um, get started with the interview then. And um, I'm going to start with um, your first job. So I'm wondering what your first job was. So my first ever, ever job yep. um, was working in a gift shop for um, a train station museum. So not something, <laughs> not something I'm particularly interested in, I'd like to say, but um, it was the only place that would hire me at the age of like 14, 15, because it was a charity, so technically it could. <laughs> um, so I did that, then moved on to retail while I was at uni. Yeah, that's that's probably more of a traditional route than uh, yeah. <laughs> is it a train station museum? <laughs> yeah, yeah, steam train museum. Yeah, I, I guess you got a lot of kids coming through there, or was it all kind of you know train enthusiasts? A lot of train enthusiasts. Oh wow! That take it very seriously, um, but then you would have the occasional Thomas the Tank Engine weekend, which was hectic and great. And I learned to be able to serve tea on a moving steam train. So <laughs> good for something. And, and I'm, I'm guessing by your tone, you didn't have a massive um, passion for, for trains or steam trains. <laughs> no, I can't <laughs> say I did, I'm afraid. I can't say I did. Well, that's ruined all my questioning from here on out. <laughs> yeah, sorry, let's start again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, okay. So yeah, a typical kind of early early career stuff, you know, where you're you're kind of just finding your feet and finding work, sort of get into the that employment world. And uh, you mentioned you use at university then. So what what did you um, what did you study at university? So originally, I uh, wanted to be a midwife. So okay. I did um, a placement at my local hospital, did a week following um, sort of different units of the maternity um, maternity unit within the hospital, which was incredible. So within my first 10 minutes of being on placement, I saw a baby being born. Oh, wow. um, so it was amazing. But I think after that, I just had a real moment of, I don't want to do a degree where I feel like I'm going to be in the same job forever. Um, I mean, since then, I've seen that you know midwives have gone into loads of different avenues but I think I just wanted at that age you don't know what you want to do most people um so I thought right everything is a business whether you're a hospital whether you're a school whether it's a shop it's, it's a business really isn't it so I went ahead and did um, business management and communications so okay. I thought that's going to kind of open me up to a bit of everything yeah definitely it's uh I'm not sure everyone describes having their the child as a business though, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe a it's a good maybe it's a good thing I didn't go on to be a midwife. <laughs> yeah, it's scheduled to come at um nine forty five, it's late. Exactly. <laughs> Booking a calendly appointment or something like that for your baby. <laughs> yeah, this is overrun. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I always think um it's it's quite admirable people that go into those professions and yeah it does almost feel like that's that's it for your for the rest of your career and it must be difficult if someone wants to move out of of something like that a profession like that you know even from as being a doctor what what can you go into you're sort of starting at the ground floor again so I think it's pretty smart to go in at, at a you know um a broader level when you're studying um and then you've got got plenty of options so so where did that then lead you what what kind of was the next step for you after the retail and university so um while I was at university I worked um from retail I worked in a call center so again just 
uni job to kind of pay my way. Um, and whilst it's not something I would want to do again, it, it was fantastic in, you know, teaching me communication skills, um, handling kind of disagreements and things like that. So it was it was good. Um, and it just so happens that that job, that place that I worked had um, a whole sort of marketing division. Um, while I was at uni, marketing and communications was kind of the thing that I really loved, that I had the passion for. So I think you know, looking back, it's probably more the fact that it's got that psychology and the, the person element in it. Yeah. Um, and so when I finished uni, I was fortunate enough to kind of move downstairs um, into the marketing department where they also had a franchise. So that was where I kind of got my first taste of franchising. Right. OK. So um, as, a, as, a, as a business, then what did they do? So they the business did um, furniture insurance. Um, so again, I stayed with the glamorous yeah. staffs from trains to furniture <laughs> insurance. Um, but the franchise itself was doing like professional sort of carpet and upholstery cleaning. So um, it was like a UK wide network established for like 50 odd years. So it was a, a fantastic insight really into, into the world of franchising. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that, that's a surprising one. I've, I've not thought, heard or thought of that one either as a... <laughs> as a franchise <laughs> it's just a, a never-ending list it seems to be in the franchising world of different um brands and opportunities out there I, yeah. it never ceases to amaze me but yeah furniture insurance and carpet up and upholstery <laughs> yeah yeah I must say actually I I didn't really know a lot about franchising before I kind of went into that role um, and afterwards it just opens your eyes so much doesn't it like I'd be walking walking down the high street and pointing out to to my uh, partner at the time that's a franchise that's a franchise and he'd be like oh, shut up I still do that <laughs> I, now <laughs> yeah, so do I and I find it so interesting that you know whatever your passion is there's probably a franchise for it which I just love yeah definitely definitely and um I think um it's it's that it's like that saying you're never more than kind of 10 feet away from a franchise right it feels like that a lot of the time <laughs> 10, 10 feet away from a rat or you know whatever but <laughs> if we look at it as a franchise it feels like that to me but um so it's it's interesting you, you worked within a franchise or then perhaps didn't realize it when you joined them but did you mm -hmm. notice there was any kind of different mentality to the kind of to the business at all to other businesses you'd work for or do you do you feel like they're just like another normal company? Um, so the franchise sort of division within the company, I would say that was quite that was quite different because it was very much more. The company was very much more corporate and kind of the head people at the top made the decisions, but the franchise was so much more kind of inclusive and involving of the network and sort of looking forward. So um, I would say that was probably the biggest difference really that's interesting and and your role within the franchise or were you, did you um, just so have... small, yeah it was a small head office team um and we had about 50 franchisees so um it was interesting actually because it was an all-male network um right. and there was only two of us to begin with at head office and we were both women so that was an interesting an interesting Dynamic. start yeah, definitely, because they hadn't ever had that before either. So it was an adjustment. It was an adjustment for them. Um, but yeah, that was 
that was that was my kind of role we did marketing but also helped on the operation side because we were such a small team it's one of those where whilst that's your official title you get on and do a bit of everything so whether that's you know supporting them with business developments whether it's supporting the training the recruitment the annual conferences it was a, a bit of everything the ops manual so yeah. getting involved in all aspects yeah, I, 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 having done the same myself as well, works in a, a franchisor. Yeah, you do get involved in some of those other elements and engage with the franchisees, even if your role mm. isn't necessarily direct in, directly impacting them. And I think that's that's something I never realised was out there. And, and it's quite interesting because you get to be close to entrepreneurial type people, you know, people that are taking a risk and have gone out there and set up their own business. And um, I was speaking to somebody else the other day and, feel like it's uh it kind of rubs off and impacts you because you can you mm. kind of um understand what it's like for other people and I think it's um it's an interesting way to get into being self-employed yourself is to be around the people that are are already doing it do you feel the definitely. same yeah definitely and I mean I think for someone who's sort of straight out of uni you know you're 20 and it's your first proper job yeah. to be at the heart of a franchise from the franchisor perspective I don't feel like you could have a, a, a better first job because you're getting that first-hand experience in sort of every every area of business and you learn from people every single day you know I know they say you learn something new every day but I think when you're in the world of franchising you really do because you're interacting with so many different people they're all in completely unique circumstances whether it's different areas of country different backgrounds or different you know times within their franchise life their their business journey so you're without a doubt learning something every day so I think it's kind of the best job you could do straight out yeah yeah I think that that's fair enough I'm sure that I'm sure there'd be people out there though that will contest that and that their job was the best start they <laughs> ever <sure>. had <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm thinking you know like working with a formula one team or something like that where you're flying around the world yeah. and yeah, yeah, that, that sounds be. glamorous, but I, I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. It's given you a really good grounding, and um, despite the non-glamorous nature of the service, actually, and that's that's another yeah. thing I find interesting is, um, yeah, I guess I yeah I, I had that. I worked for an expense reduction analyst. Doesn't sound sexy on the outside, but actually, when you get into the work, it was it's fantastically enjoyable, and I learned so much from there in terms of. Yeah innovation within the supply chain for companies and it's yeah it's a lot more interesting than it sounds on the surface yeah and I think with franchising for me anyway it is so much about the people yes so although although franchising gives you an amazing opportunity to work in the field and the industry you love whether it's pets whether it's sports whether it's sort of kids clubs you can you know follow your passion with franchising but regardless of what the industry is you're working with people and such diverse people so I think for me that's kind of the main buzz of it it almost doesn't matter what you're doing it's the people that are doing it yeah definitely definitely so after after working for this company and sorry I don't think we you, we've mentioned the name of them so could you remind me yeah of course it was safe clean safe clean okay yeah, yeah. so yeah. after after safe clean um where did you move on to from there 
So um, I had a short experience with Smeg, so um, the people that make the cool fridges. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, had had a great experience with them. They're an incredible, you know, iconic brand. Like again, it sounds like a boring industry because it's essentially kitchen appliances. But you know, what kind of what an amazing brand to build up that people want to get a fridge for their birthday and plaster all over Instagram. Like that's that's pretty cool. So I worked as the brand manager for them for a while, um, which was great. But for me, the kind of the draw was to to go back to franchising. I think even after just a few short years, that's kind of the bug. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Everyone says it. Everyone who's been in the industry yeah. who likes to stay there. And I think like you said earlier, it's the connection with people, isn't it? And yeah. There's a, there is a great deal of support. So um, how, how did you get back into the industry then? So I actually had been having chats with um, Pip from the head of the BFA um, and we got in touch again and she needed a bit of support from um, for her role because she's so busy, you know, she's doing so much within the industry. So I actually joined as her EA initially. Um, so I worked really closely with Pip kind of helping to to get her organized and doing the stuff that she does best um, and then once I was with the BFA moved into kind of different marketing and ops roles and then obviously the pandemic happened <laughs> so <laughs> yeah yeah I think it impacted everybody in in some way or another didn't it but um, your 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 time at the the BFA the British Franchise Association then um Tell, tell me a bit more about, um, in your opinion, what the, the, the BFA does and, and, and why it exists, really, if you don't mind. Yeah, so I think the BFA really, it's, you know, the guys that work there, their passion that is unwavering is doing franchising right. So it's all about ethical franchising. So franchising, as I'm sure a lot of people know, isn't currently legislated, which gives a lot of freedom which is great but there are some people that take advantage of yeah. not necessarily having those rules and so the BFA really is is in place to make sure that franchising franchisors and franchisees are protected so sort of supporting the industry to grow in the right way so grow ethically um, and then yeah supporting new brands and new franchisees into the industry so people that don't know about what an amazing opportunity it is yeah that's good so uh, how how were you kind of involved in that then so you said you said you started off as a an EA there but I, I know you kind of moved through into a couple of different roles within the company. yeah so so like I said it was the pandemic hit when I'd been there for only about six months so initially kind of my role was supporting Pip and then moving more into the operation side of the BSA um, but then after just a few months the the pandemic hit um, and so we all ended up doing a bit of everything. So um, some of our team were furloughed for a while throughout the, the pandemic, kind of the main bit. And um, so we all just took on all of the roles really. So um, it was an insanely busy time. So I think that was, the, that was the one time that kind of, I think franchisors really did want to come together and hear what other people were doing because none of us had been through any of that before right so no yeah. one could refer to what they had done when this happened before um so it was really just about showing all of the members that we were kind of there and and we were there to help them so it was having an awful lot of conversations with brands 
throughout the industry, which again was amazing because it was that opportunity to connect with so many people. Yeah. So what did you kind of um, learn from speaking to so many different franchisors? Because, you know, at the BFA, like you say, you're, you're in contact with, with hundreds of franchisors. So you've got yeah. a great opportunity to, to get around and speak to all of them. I'm just wondering, yeah. is there something that you kind of learned or were there any trends that you saw? So I think the main thing that I learned from kind of the business aspect, I think, was just how crucial it is to be open with people, because a lot of the time, as whether you're a business leader or just an adult, I've learned that actually a lot of it, you're winging it, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, see, you're giving it, you're seeing what works. Yes, you might base it on kind of um, experience and knowledge, but a lot of the time you're, you're testing it and seeing how it goes, aren't you? And so I think actually building those connections with other people so that you can learn from each other um, is probably the best, most important thing you can do, really. That was what I found anyway. Like all of the people that kind of, um, came part, came forward to take part in sort of different activities of of networking and support. I think, I think they really valued it at the time. That was the feedback that we got anyway. Um, and it was also the kind of main trend I think was seeing people able to that word that I don't want to say, but I can't think of another word to say. Pivot. So <laughs> the people that were able to kind of adapt their business or even just how they did it, um, and having that kind of agile mentality you know that things are always changing and actually keep that as part of your business plan like your business plan should be something that's worked on and looked at all the time um and it's always changing yeah yeah I think a lot of people were forced into making changes and others realized it was an opportunity to change as well didn't they especially if Mm. you can't deliver the main thing you're going to deliver whatever that may be service or, or product uh, yeah. yeah, it opens up other opportunities. So um, you, you obviously, um, well, I, I say obviously, I know because we've spoken a few times before, but you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you did some, some work on the PR side for the British Franchise Association. So yeah. I'm wondering if you um, saw any particular stories that stick out in your mind. Yeah, so I think the most kind of probably compelling stories I guess again were um, from the franchisees really who had kind of overcome immense challenges so one of the things that I was responsible for was the filming um, and running of the awards the BFA awards last year Um, and that was an incredible opportunity to speak with people you know there was um, one franchisee who had lost the ability to walk um, and She regained that through sort of rehab and and a lot of mental strength um, and then has gone on to win several business awards and and build her business. And really, a lot of them cited franchising as the thing that got them through Um, because they had that support. They had those things in place that had they not had that, had they not had that outside encouragement and and support to, you know, access to different um, information to resources you know like um ppe throughout the pandemic had they not been able to access all of that which they were through the power of their franchise they probably wouldn't have been there so yeah that was incredible really yeah that's it's interesting isn't it that um there's so many of those types of stories across the whole industry and um yeah i i you 
I think before you you work within franchising, you kind of hear those stories to some degree, but you don't really take in what's what's behind them or what's happening. But as soon as you're in the franchising industry, you constantly hear those stories. There's so many of them from people being yeah. homeless to finding, you know, uh, an opportunity within franchising, as you Absolutely. say, personal um, challenges, whatever they may be. They, a lot of people seem to overcome that by having their own business, but they're unable to do it through franchising because they've got more support around them. And I think, um, yeah, it's really, yeah. It's really good to see, really interesting. Yeah. So um, I think that's the perk of being in the, the BFA, I, I'd imagine, working there. <laughs> yeah, there's eyes everywhere. So, yeah, it was quite nice. And actually, although all of those stories are so special and you, they're all unique, in the franchise industry, they're almost actually not that rare. Yeah. Because I think franchising gives them so, you know, gives people so many opportunities to do that, that those stories on their own are amazing and they're unique and nothing takes away from that. But actually within the industry of franchising, there's quite a few of them, quite yeah. a few of those like, amazing stories, really. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. So um, so after the BFA, then where, where did your, your career take you? So um, whilst I was at the BFA, I actually began to, um, or just before that, I started doing my training to um, do mental health first aid. Okay. So um, I have always had an interest in the world of mental health. So both my parents have always worked in mental health. Um, and so I kind of rebelled and went into business and marketing away from the field of sort of mental health and healthcare. Um, but actually, I just... I think throughout, you know, the chats that we've had even today, reflect reflecting on it, the draw for me has always been people. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever job it's been, whatever industry it's been, it's been that connection with people. So um, I did the mental health first aid course myself because I wanted to just develop my knowledge and my understanding. And I loved the course so much that I decided actually to, to take that on and become a trainer. So um, that's brought me to that now really so that's what I do I deliver mental health first aid training fantastic so it's obviously a, a very um prevalent topic at the moment mental health and you see lots of people talking about it especially on social media mm. and I don't think everybody fully understands or knows what it is in in, in its entirety you know because it's yeah. uh it's kind of a new concept I guess to, to people isn't it that uh, it's very clear when you break an arm you know you've got to look after that, that by going to a doctor yeah. right but if somebody's um, struggling mentally people don't really understand what that is the symptoms of it and and how to how to fix it so yeah. do you, um, this is helping me as well if, if give me an idea of what what actually is mental health how would you describe it so mental health I think even so the World Health Organization only sort of six years ago it used their definition of mental health used to be the presence of a, a mental health condition or not so their own definition you know from the who used to be whether you were ill or whether you weren't but now it's very much evolved to include um, well-being to include um, your outlook on the future how integrated you are with friends and community. So it's it's very much more encompassing. So I think if you think of your physical health, so how you felt this morning, how you felt last week, how you felt a year ago, 
they're probably all quite different aren't they you know physically physical health and your mental health is, is exactly the same so my kind of main thing I think in in society nowadays we're always told to be happy and to be positive but actually I think for me the end goal isn't being happy all the time because that's weird really isn't it like <laughs> you're not, you're not going to be happy all the time that's that's I would say that's not healthy so to me mental health is being able to cope with the daily stresses of life and cope with the emotions that you've got like some things are going to make you sad if you lose someone it's natural and it's healthy to be sad because that's your body's natural response you know if you were still happy your body's and your mind is probably not actually processing that so to me mental health is all about coping with kind of the daily stresses of life and managing and feeling whatever whatever emotions you've got at the time yeah and I think that's probably an important skill set as a as a business owner to have isn't it or a uh, a toolbox of kind of uh, solutions to help you overcome those challenges because um, any business you start from day one you are going to face some form of challenge and looking at my personal experience you know I feel like I've had a fairly good start I've got um, some good mentors around me and you know businesses come in I've not had to go and chase anything too much Um, Mm -hmm. but still lots of stress lots of decisions to make and I think they those yeah. decisions are the things that that will ultimately bring you stress um at some point now I like yeah. it I like having those choices but mm. yeah it doesn't mean it's easy and um yeah I, I think you're right it's it's healthy and normal to have um those those things in your life exactly like I think even even good stresses you know planning a wedding planning a holiday that's you know what we would deem as good stress but it's still stressful that still causes your body to have a physical response so I think it's just all about how you can manage those to keep some sort of level and you know that level is going to be different to each person but absolutely when you're a new business owner your 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 thoughts are fluctuating all the time like if you look at kind of one of the things we look at is cognitive distortions so that's something that everyone will have had probably already this week and it's it's you know only Monday the day that we're recording this so it's you will have probably already had them so a cognitive distortion is basically thinking that is inaccurate or illogical so something might happen and you might think oh god I bet everyone hates me and you've got you've got no evidence to back that up um but your brain thinks like that and your thought triggers a physical response in your body like a release of hormones and that then causes you to behave and react in a certain way which can spiral and as a business owner you absolutely have that like we all have sort of imposter syndrome don't we so as a franchise or as a franchisee you take on a new a new venture you make these decisions and you have that element of self-doubt so one thing I have been working with for um, a few franchisors is actually incorporating mental health first aid training into their franchisees initial training okay um so that initial bit of training they will join one of my courses within say the first six months of starting their business so that they can learn how to kind of manage their own emotions and their own stresses and spot any kind of symptoms but also if they are going to employ staff they're also in a fantastic position to do that because 
whether you want to do it from a moral aspect of supporting your network or your employees or yourself to feel better, or whether you want to do it from a business, a business sense, mental health is so impactful. Like it costs the UK over three billion a year mental health you know sick days um and, and supporting people so whether you want to do it from a moral aspect or from a business aspect it's worth doing yeah i i hadn't thought of that um but i, I expect there are people out there that are you know leaders of businesses who will look mm -hmm. at it very much from a, a statistics based approach you know rather than the, the actually caring about the staff so much they will be looking at well, it and going if I can reduce the sick days by X amount per year, I can get X amount output, you know, X amount of output, which then leads to X amount more profit, right? And yeah, I guess it makes sense. Like I'm, I'm like, you know, if that's yeah. that's the the main driver for them, why not look at it like that? And the the byproduct is a, a better mentally health healthy. Um, I don't know if that's a proper term, but yeah, yeah, um, mentally, mentally fit, workplace. you know. Um, network or team or employee or yeah. staff so yeah, yeah I, I hadn't thing. thought about that before and it's really interesting and I, I wanted to go to mention something else that you you kind of maybe think about as well and that's how our bodies or our minds kind of protect ourselves and that's that's what imposter syndrome is right where we we're like yeah. well if I just prepare him now that it's going to be a failure that keeps him in this nice safe zone and not going out and taking too many risks and it's yeah. quite difficult for a lot of people to get out of that comfort zone, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And it's it's all about challenging those thoughts, I think, and and knowing how to how to challenge them. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's, inter it's interesting. So, um, for, for 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 your training, then, so you're mainly working with franchises and franchisors or franchisees. You know, what, what what's kind of yeah. your 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 core um, clientele? So a mixture, really. I would say the main, the main is franchise, franchise brands, because I think I kind of combine my knowledge of the mental health um, field and also franchising because it has got so many sort of nuances that people from outside of the industry don't necessarily know about. So I think for me that enables me to be able to tweak and tailor some of the content so that it's really effective, basically for franchise brands. So um, often it's franchisors. So it's mental health first aid training is all about developing someone's knowledge, um, skills and confidence in the field of mental health. So a lot of people, if they aren't asking people if they're OK and how they're feeling, the majority of the time, it's not because they don't care. It's just because they don't know how to answer if someone says no, they're not. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, it may well be that you could ask someone and generally, you know, it's a, a British cultural thing. As soon as someone asks you how you are, you say you're fine, even <laughs> though you might be, you know, feeling terrible inside. But I think a lot of the time people are scared of someone being honest and saying, no, I'm not, because they just don't have that, the skill set or, or confidence and knowledge of, of how to support someone. Yeah. So the mental health first aid training is really all about building that skill set. So like you said, you've got that toolkit of resources to support yourself and other people around you and you know franchisors their role has massively changed and evolved throughout the pandemic largely though so they're not just there to support the business but they're there to support the franchisee as a person because like we were just talking about from a business aspect 
if they are feeling sort of optimum well-being they are going to be more productive positive out more positive outlook um have that kind of level of confidence and maybe that clearer mind to make business decisions so actually it it helps the franchise in that aspect as well so it's really supporting franchisors to be able to best support their franchisees yeah it's good and and it's interesting because i've i've realized um you saying asking the question about how are you doing and the automatic response is i'm i'm fine I, I found a lot through lockdown, I kind of changed how I responded to that question. And what I would say is living the dream, right, <laughs> to pretty much everybody. But what I did was um, I just used a different tone. So then they knew how I was just by saying, oh, absolutely living the dream, aren't I? You know, and they knew that yeah. I was then having a, a rough week or something bad was going on. Or, you know, if yeah. I've got a big smile and I say it enthusiastically, slightly different. So is that... Is, is that yeah. Are they the kind of tools that you, you sort of teach people how to, to leverage or is that com something completely different? Well, yeah, no, I think that that's a really useful skill to have. Um, and I think it's, it's generally it's making people more comfortable to be able to do that yeah. because, you know, there you've said that you made kind of a conscious effort to share with people, whether it's through the words you use or the tone you use, you've made a conscious effort to share with people how you're really feeling. But a lot of people don't necessarily still have the confidence to do that. And there's an awful lot of stigma around the conversation of mental health still. So it's definitely getting better. Um, like you said, there's a lot more talk about it over social media. It's become much more of a prevalent conversation in business as well. But where it is that hidden thing, like you said at the start of our chat, you know, that you can see a broken arm, but you can't necessarily see if someone's not feeling well if they if they are suffering um and so that can be hard for a lot of people especially when it you know someone might be off for a while and it's it's technically costing them money um but they can't see it that can be that can be quite hard so there's still there's still an awful lot of stigma so what what do you think um a business can do or a franchise network could do to kind of um change the culture so that people are more comfortable to to say that you know to to ask each other these these questions and i appreciate yeah. some of this might be in your training so don't feel free not to go into all <laughs> yeah. of the detail but... well <laughs> firstly i would say do the training <laughs> so, <laughs> the, the first one in all seriousness whether you do it with me whether you do it with someone else i think is to um to arm yourselves as the kind of the, the people at the top, the business leaders or, you know, the, the franchise support team, I think is to, to arm yourself with that knowledge and that confidence to have those conversations. And then really just to make it, make it a part of the everyday. So lead by example, you know, share if you're, if, if you're having a struggle. I appreciate that some business leaders perhaps want to keep certain boundaries and you know you never should share something you're not comfortable to share but I think the first step is just to show your network show your organization that actually you're there and you're comfortable to talk about it and that it is a safe workplace that you know mentally healthy workplace so do that by having those conversations by doing the training so that people are armed by implementing a well-being policy so most businesses will have a health and safety policy, um, you know, all sorts of all sorts of policies. Um, but a well-being policy is 
is essential really so that people know kind of the processes and the support that's out there and, and what a business is doing to make sure their team are safe really yeah makes a lot of sense very good so I'm going to move on now to kind of my my last three questions and I'm, I'm interested to find out um the first one as it's always my favorite one to ask but um have you got any weird strange or, or interesting stories from your career that you're happy to share and I'm, I'm thinking there must be something in the the train station museum <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there is but I've probably blocked them out I think um I think so when I first started my career in franchising, I worked with um, Maria Hartnell. So Maria's worked um, as franchise manager for a number of a number of um, businesses, and we worked very closely together. And she always used to joke about the fact that one day she was going to write a book called "It Shouldn't Happen to a Franchise Manager." So within that, there would be just little anecdotes essentially so as we would work together we would kind of in our minds add to these stories and it was essentially about the fact that where I was talking then about that uh, the role of a franchisor has evolved so much and it's not just about business so Maria used to get calls from people I remember once we were in we were having our annual conference and she got a call from one of the franchisees who was really quite flustered and, and needed her help and um, he didn't know how to empty the plug in his bath <laughs> right okay so I mean um, <laughs> what is that is that part of it job duties is to, to unplug apparently, <laughs> apparently so so he didn't know how to change the uh to yeah to drain drain the bath so um perhaps Wait, not so is this is this at a work site or is this at their res residential no, it, was at, it was at a hotel so we were having we were at this the um safening conference and um yeah one one franchisee called to ask how to drain the bath um <laughs> and I, I think I've I've always just loved that because that just it shows just how much support a franchise manager perhaps can give to their network yeah um, the, the, there must be a lot of um <laughs> reliance on on the franchise manager or a lot of um confidence <laughs> that they can solve anything right anything. if you if you yeah, go into anything. them with that <laughs> i wonder <laughs> what else they've they've stopped themselves from asking because <laughs> well you wonder don't you yeah so uh that was that's always made me laugh that's amazing that is and they're absolutely <laughs> crazy as well <laughs> oh man but yeah good good stuff good story thank you and um the next one is uh what what proud or inspiring moments have you you had uh, within your your career or what's been the, the most proud or inspiring moment um so i've had can i give you a few or is that braggy <laughs> it's bragging but no go for it go for it's it <laughs> I'll give you a few why not we should all brag a bit more so um I that the first job I had you know where we were running this all-male network um they a few people actually had some bets on how long we would last you know me straight out of uni not knowing okay. franchising um and then within a few months one of the franchisees was sending me like CDs of his son's music and 
with like a handwritten note of how pleased he was to have us as part of the team so that for me was a real proud moment that's really cool I had really kind of worked hard to build that build that rapport and build that confidence with him so that was great um standing on stage at the empowering women in business conference for the BFA um so last year I delivered a talk on mental health first aid um and I remembering I remember attending the event before I even worked for the BFA and absolutely loving it like I thought it was a really inspiring like motivational event I had pages of notes so to then be asked to speak there um about a topic I'm so passionate about felt incredible yeah Um, awesome and then I think the final one is probably just getting the feedback after our training sessions. So we always ask people to fill in like a, a sort of quick survey so that we can improve, you know, how we're doing the training. Um, and getting that feedback is always feels feels really great, you know, because people will often talk about how they feel kind of empowered to ask others if if they need any help and how to support them. Um so knowing that they're then able to make a difference to other people is, yeah, is amazing. Yeah, good stuff. I, I like it. I, I liked all of those definitely, and I, <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, the the one being on stage must be fairly nerve wracking to some degree. But yeah, when you yeah. look back on it, um, get, you know, good effort for getting up there in front of everybody and and delivering a speech on, on something you're passionate about because that's <laughs> that's giving back in in multiple different ways, isn't it? So um, yeah. I think you should be proud of all of those. They're great. It's great. Thanks. So, uh, final question is um, now using your experience of working within a franchisor and seeing, you know, what it's like for franchisees, the challenges they're facing, as well as working within the British Franchise Association as well, and, and all the experience you've gained there. What would be the one piece of advice you'd give to somebody who's about to invest in a franchise, whatever brand it's with? Hmm, that is a good question. Um, so if they're about to, so if they signed on the dotted line. Yeah, let's go with that. Okay. So I think I would say, well, before that, I'll take it back actually. Before that, I think I would say the best thing that a franchisee could do to kind of prepare is to speak to the people that are already doing it. Um, because as much as your franchisor is there to talk to it and, and get you know, a wealth of knowledge from the people that are doing it, that are there on the ground, um, I think a a wealth of knowledge. So I think for me, the the biggest tip would be to to speak to the people that are already doing it, whether it's within your brand that you're wanting to go into or just other franchisees. So finding out kind of what it entails and really knowing what it means to be a franchisee and then specifically to be a franchisee of that brand. Yeah. I think I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier, actually, is kind of surrounding yourself by people that have done done it already. And you yeah. start to feel more comfortable with the decision, don't you? Right. And, and understand yeah. what what the risks are, what the challenges are and and some of those those skills to overcome them, I guess. Yeah, that's it. Like being as part of a franchise is amazing because generally they've already made the mistakes, and, you know, for you to learn from. And so actually, if you can then go to a franchisee who's probably made even more, you know, after that, so they've they've made their own, that's great. It's just so much to learn from, from one another. So yeah, it's that openness and the connection again, I think. Perfect. So put the pen down and go and speak to some more people maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think 
I think that's important actually is you can I don't think you should feel rushed into making a you know signing a piece of paper should you until you're absolutely comfortable and 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 ready you know well you're never gonna get over the risk element you're always going to feel like there's a little bit of uncertainty but I think yeah you you need to do as much preparation as you feel you need to do before making that decision right yeah that's it and it's probably never going to feel like the perfect time but if you want to do it life is too short to not give it a go so prepare as much as you can and then just shut your eyes and do it (laughs) (laughs) shut your eyes and do it love it (laughs) then thank you so much for your time today it's been a real pleasure speaking with you and um, getting to know you a bit better and understanding what you're doing more um, doing now in more detail so thank you for that and uh, yeah have a good day thank you thanks for having me cheers take care bye-bye thanks bye All right, so there we go. That was my conversation with Jen Chapman Boffin from Cinder Limited. And I've learned something else about the franchising industry. You can franchise a furniture insurance company. Who would have thought it? I, I honestly didn't. And I thought I'd heard of most of the different types of businesses out there. But um, it's so interesting. I think there, there, there must be something for everyone in, in the franchise world. And if you haven't checked it out yet, you know, get out there and start doing your research because... I'm certain there's something for everyone, but um, I thought it was interesting to see what Jen's thoughts were on the difference between working within a franchised business and a normal company. I say normal, that isn't franchised. And yes, I think some of the staff maybe wear multiple hats, but I think I think it's interesting because there's much more connected thinking, and everybody's got the same drive and goal. And um, yeah, experiencing it myself, yeah, it it is strange, it is different, it's um, it's quite an exciting place to be and you do feel like you are, you're making a difference to the people's lives that you're supporting and helping them them through their own business journey, so it's a pretty cool place to be and I think it's it's another reason why franchise organisations do pretty well because everyone's generally brought into their why. But um, what else can we talk about? So yeah, the amazing stories that the BFA must hear uh, when they do their awards. It feels like it's it's all the time you see them when you're actually working within the franchising industry, but um, some of them are, are unbelievable, really. It's, it seems to be a, a platform for, that gives people, ch- gives people a chance, you know, um, from, you know, being, being homeless to being injured, um, to being made redundant from their industry. There's so many different amazing stories of how people have been able to, through following a franchise model, find themselves significant success where perhaps they, they didn't think it was achievable in the long run. So, um, yeah, there's definitely got to be something about these people, I would say, that, you know, maybe they're very determined, they're very clear on their their why and what they want to achieve. But, um, yeah, certainly a, a place to be for, for people that have perhaps come up against hardship in their life at some point. Um, and then finally, I just want to sort of say that it's really refreshing to hear from Jen, her version of what mental health is, because I think we hear about it all the time and look after your mental health and make sure that, you know, you're doing this for your mental health, get outside more, these kinds of things. Um, but yeah, I loved her description and her way of putting it that helps, it helped me to get a better grasp of 
um, whose responsibility it is to look after mental health of themselves and their employees. I think it's everybody's response to responsibility to look after one another more than more than just in companies, I suppose, and in your own families. But the benefit to businesses is that it can actually help improve profit. I don't think of it before, but it makes total sense if if somebody's struggling mentally and you know we've probably all had these thoughts in the past you take a sick day don't you because perhaps you're just not able to face the day um, for, for whatever reason something you know difficult has ha happened in your life um, and that ultimately is going to impact on the profit of an organization not perhaps for one person but when you start adding that up across an organization that can make a make a bit of an impact so whilst it's not the main reason to um, you know, focus on improving the mental health of yourself and those around you. It's an added benefit, I think, that um, can help a business in the long run. So interesting stuff. Um, I'd love to see some figures on it one day. That'd be really interesting if somebody has monitored that. But um, there we go. That was my conversation with Jen Chapman Boffin. Hopefully you found it interesting and um, enjoyable. There's plenty more episodes out there. I think we're up to 63 now, so make sure you go check them out. They're all listed on my website, www.thefranchise.com. You'll also see some franchise brands listed on there as well as some franchise and advice and, and all of that good stuff as well. Um, yeah, if you liked this episode and, and you like the podcast, please give us a, a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to them. It really helps to share the podcast to more people. And of course, if you see us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram or any of those good places, um, yeah, just comment on some of our posts or, or drop us a like or share one of the posts. It's massively appreciated and helps us on our mission to educate the world about the opportunities within the, the franchising community. So thank you once again to Symphony, the sponsors of the podcast. Make sure you check them out on www.symphony.co.uk forward slash disenfranchised. And um, yeah, hopefully I'll catch you on the next one. Thanks very much for listening. Take care. Bye bye.